All right. If you want to grab a seat again, that's fantastic. Uh, thanks uh, again, everyone. I'm really excited. Uh, we have a guest speaker with us this morning. Uh, she's not a stranger to many of us. She's uh, spoken here before. We've got Alita Friesen, and uh, she's all the way from Langley. She had to cross a bridge to get here. Thankfully, the bridges aren't out. They're, they're good. And uh, she's married to Ryan. They've got four wee bambinos, little kids. And uh, she's got a heart for, for God, is part of the teaching team at the Way Church in Vancouver, um, has written a couple of Bible studies and, and uh, co-authored a book called The Whole People of God, The Whole Church, that's right. And uh, so we're really privileged to have her with us today. Can we give a warm hillside welcome to Alita as she comes to speak? Am I, are we good? Yeah, you're on. on, yeah, yes, yes. Everybody can hear me. I can yell really loud if need be. Well, it is such, oh, there we go. Now I can hear it. Okay. It's such an honor to be with you this morning. Um, I was here, I think it was, I want to say in April or May, somewhere around there. And so let me tell you, it's such an honor to be invited anywhere, but when you're invited back somewhere, that's really special. <laughs> so... They really liked me. <laughs> so thank you for having me. If you have your Bibles, I would love for you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. That is where we are going to be sitting this morning. And um, we're just going to get right into the text this morning. We're not going to waste any time. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 6. Here we go. This is the word of the Lord. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then, and then, you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Would you pray with me? Holy God, it is always a privilege to be able to come unhindered into your presence. And so we just thank you that we get to gather today as, as, a, um, as a people. We are reminded of not too many months ago when we couldn't do this together. And so we're really so grateful that we can gather in one place. Thank you for those who are joining us online Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would be our teacher this morning. We submit ourselves to the word of God, and we ask that you would shape and form and inform our lives. We invite you to ruffle our feathers this morning, if need be. And so I pray that the words out of this mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be so very pleasing 
in your sight this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, I am so happy that you are still sitting in uh, the book of Matthew. When I was here last, you were uh, going through the Sermon on the Mount, and you are, I know you paused for a little while, and now you've picked back up. And uh, so I love the Sermon on the Mount, and so I'm so happy that you're still in it. And hopefully you know by now, and if you don't know, I'll remind you a little bit, that Jesus gives a ton of practical teaching throughout this sermon. And he talks about things, uh, practical things like money and worry and divorce and murder. He talks about all these things. And, and the way he does it is that he all continuously, he's, he's flipping the script on the way things ought to, the way that we think things ought to go. He tells us how to live counterculturally. He teaches us how to live counterculturally, how to approach all of these different things as followers of the way of Jesus. And so today, he's going to do the same thing. He's going to flip the script again on the topic of judgment. The topic of judgment. A nice, light, and easy topic for a Sunday morning. (laughs) 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning. So if you're taking notes today, I'm a note taker. Like, I just, I'm I'm a student. I'm the... I'm that kind of person, but if you're not, no worries. But if you are taking notes, the title of today's message would be called, When We Feel Like Judging. When We Feel Like Judging. So when I was in the seventh grade, y'all probably have already seen me sort of handling this up here, but when I was in the seventh grade, uh, I ran for the president of student council. I don't know if we have those here, um, but I grew up in Texas, and student councils were kind of a big deal in middle schools and and high schools, and so I don't know, seventh grade I decided I'm going to run for president, and we had kind of a fairly large middle school. I had to have a campaign, y'all, it was like a whole thing, okay, it was just like, it was a whole thing, and um, I won. Like, wow, I know, I won. It was, it was such an honor, such an honor. So then for my entire eighth grade year, I got to sit as president of our student council and oversee these meetings. And we had quite a conglomerate of, of teachers who would come to these meetings. We, would ha- we had quite, um, because we had such a large student body, a lot of different representatives that would join us. And I was given this gavel right here. This is the gavel I was given. It's even engraved and everything. It's got like... Is my gavel. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> and it's probably not hard for you to tell. I loved this thing. <laughs> oh my goodness. I loved it. And I know y'all don't know me that well, and I don't know you, so this might come off really weird, and I, I hope it doesn't. But um, I really loved the power <laughs> that this thing <laughs> tended to hold. Here's what I mean. If you've ever been in any kind of meeting like this, you'll know when you bang it, I'm not going to bang it because that would be really loud, but when you bang it, it calls the meeting to order, gets people's attention. Or when you bang it, it adjourns a meeting and everybody leaves. Or, and this is probably my favorite part of this thing, is that whenever, like, again, we had kind of a lot of people in our meetings, so whenever things would get a little spicy and there would be some debates happening in the room, I would use this and all of a sudden the room would just go quiet. And everybody kind of respected the gavel. Whether they respected me or not, I don't know. But they respected the gavel. And so there was a certain authority associated with it. Um, I have to tell you that this was lost in storage for a little while, and one of my children found it, I want to say, a couple of years ago, and they pulled it out. I explained exactly what it meant. I have since tried to use it with my children. They do not respect the gavel. They do not respect the power of the gavel at all. 
I know, no surprise there, no surprise there. I don't know what I was thinking, but I tried it. I just, I had to try, right? Like, guys. But here's what I was thinking. I wonder if all of us don't secretly wish for a gavel sometimes. And if not for the gavel itself, at least for the power that's associated with it, with the authority that comes with it. The ability to sit in the undisputed seat of being the judge, the person who gets to make the calls. Because the reality is that we all make judgment calls, whether we want to admit it or not. We Even people who are like, oh, I try really hard not to judge. I get that. I feel like I do too. But we all make judgment calls on a regular basis. And here's what I mean. We regularly judge what, between what we think is right and wrong. We judge between what we would deem as good and evil. We judge between what we think is helpful and hurtful. We're making judgment calls a lot. And Jesus knows this. He knows this. And I love that he included it in the Sermon on the Mount because he's going to teach us how to handle this tension that we regularly live in. He's going to teach us how to handle it appropriately. And so here's the first thing I think that we need to do. The first thing we need to do with this particular uh, text is we need to understand what Jesus is and isn't saying about judgment. So let's look back at verse 1, and it says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Okay, so this may very well be one of the most quoted verses in all of scripture. Like everybody knows this verse, do not judge me. Like People quote it and throw it around all the time, or people maybe even misquote it or misunderstand it quite often. And it gets it can get used like a weapon quite often. Like people who don't go to church know this verse. People who do go to church use this verse. And we can use it against one another quite often. And I tend to think that there are two different groups of people within the church, within the church, who like to use this verse a lot, okay? The first group are the ones who, and listen, I've been in both of these. This is not me. I'm not judging you guys, okay? <laughs> I'm including myself in here. But the first group would be those who use this verse to excuse their own sin. The ones who would say, don't judge me. Like, that's not kind. That is not loving. Don't judge me. So the first group would be the ones who would say uh, that they would use this to excuse their own sin. And the second group would be the ones who, who use this verse as an excuse not to confront sin. They don't want to confront sin. They're like, ooh, I know that person seems like off or something's going on, but I, the Bible says not to judge. Jesus says it, don't judge. So I'm not going to, that's not loving. I'm just going to pray for them. I'll just keep it to myself and I'm just going to pray for them. And at first glance, if we just, just track with me here for a minute, if we plucked this one sentence, do not judge or you too will be judged. If we plucked that one sentence out of this sermon and we just held it up by itself as if it were its own statement, then it would seem fairly, sim fairly simple, wouldn't it? It'd be pretty clear. Oh, that's, don't judge. Done. Over. But because you and I, because we're all here in this room, I believe that we all want to be good students of Scripture. And in order to be a good student of Scripture, what we have to do, what we must do, is take this sentence and keep it within the context of what the rest of this sermon and what this chapter is saying. So if we do this, here is what we will find out. We're not going to read the rest of chapter 7. You're going to do that in the weeks to come. But if we did that, 
here is what we would find out. We would find out that Jesus goes on to tell us that we need to make some discerning calls. He goes on to tell us that we need to discern between things like the narrow and the wide gates. We need to discern between true and false prophets. We need to discern between true and false disciples, discern between what a wise and a foolish builder is. And then at verse 6, this um, this kind of hard-to-understand verse where he says, don't give dogs what is sacred, don't throw your pearls before pigs. Whatever that means, obviously it requires some uh, element of discernment, some element of having to make a judgment call. So in the rest of his sermon, Jesus gives us permission to make some discernments. He gives us permission to make judgment calls. Okay, and if we keep reading on in the rest of the New Testament, we would see in many places, but I'm just going to show you one. I think we have it for you in John chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus straight up tells us, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Jesus says this, judge rightly. He tells us, commands us to judge rightly. He not only gives us permission to make discerning judgment calls, he actually commands us to do it. Okay, so if this is the case, if Jesus gives us permission, actually commands us to make some judgment calls, then what in the world is this first sentence about? Why would he say, do not judge, if he goes on to tell us that we need to judge? That, is that confusing? Like, what is going on? Okay, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> the word judge in the Greek language, which is what the New Testament was written in, is the word krino, and it's a word that means to try, to condemn, or to punish. This is the word that Jesus is using here. When he says, do not do it, he is saying, do not try, condemn, or punish. It is literally a word that means, I think, I decide it good or not good. I think and I decide. And this is what Jesus is warning us against. This is the, a word in the, Greek, in the Greek language that gives um, the picture of pulling someone up before a crowd and pronouncing a condemning sentence on them. There is, there is no love in it. There is no wanting to see the person in any kind of way restored. There is no mercy attached to it. It is a much more vicious connotation. It's the same word, in fact, that's used in John chapter 8. Um, and that's, um, we're not going to flip there. You can read it on your own in your own time. But it's that story of the woman who gets caught in adultery, if you remember that story. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they catch her in the act, and they drag her through an overcrowded, bustling Jerusalem, and they bring her to Jesus. And they kind of just throw her there, and they want to stone her. This is what this kind of word, when it says, do not judge, this is what Jesus is talking about. This is the kind of word that means, it doesn't mean fair trial. It doesn't, it doesn't um, denote any sort of sense of justice. And so what Jesus is doing here is he is addressing that kind of thing in our hearts that wants to judge people that way. The kind of judgment that does not seek to reconcile other people to God, but instead just, it's the kind of judgment that just loves to point out sin. Just, oop, that person sitting over there. Something, something about, listen, I'm not pointing any fingers 
But we all have that thing in us every now and again where we'll do this, even if only in our hearts. We may never leave our mouths, but we know throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is getting a deeper thing. It's not just what comes out of our mouths, it's what's going on in our hearts. And he's calling it wrong. John Stott, he is a um, commentator and um, scholar, and he says this. He says, Jesus does not mean that we, should, that we shouldn't assess people critically, because we do that all the time. There are certain people that we shouldn't go into business with, certain people that we shouldn't trust, certain people that we should not let watch our children, amen. That is just wisdom, and Jesus is for that. But rather, he's saying that we shouldn't be a critic. The critic is a fault finder who is negative and destructive towards other people and enjoys actively seeking out their failings. He puts the worst possible construction on their motives, pours cold water on their schemes, and is ungenerous towards their mistakes. The command to judge not is not a requirement to be blind, but rather a plea to be generous. You see, Jesus is not stripping away our ability or our responsibility to exercise discernment. He's saying, hey, don't be a critic. Don't have the heart of a critic. He's saying, much more, lean towards generosity. Lean in the other direction. Lean towards mercy. I mean, if we just boil it down, isn't that the way that he's treated us? Hasn't he leaned in the direction of mercy when it comes to our own stuff? I think this is what he goes on to say, Jesus, in verse 2, when he says, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I think there's this element here where he's kind of reminding us, listen, when or if we get caught in our own stuff and our own stuff needs to be addressed, wouldn't we want to be treated with kindness and mercy and generosity from those around us. We know he will always treat us that way. But as for the body of Christ, don't we want to be in a community of people who will handle our mistakes well? I want to be in that kind of community. Because here's the reality. Merciful judgment takes a lot longer. It takes a lot longer. It takes more energy it takes more prayer. It takes more time. It takes more resources. It takes more committing to see another person through their stuff. It is so much easier. It is so much easier to be the critic and to simply swing the gavel. It's a lot faster, way less time, almost no prayer involved. <laughs> it is much more like Jesus to take our time and walk with somebody. This is what Jesus says, or what he means when he says, do not judge. He's addressing that thing in us that wants the gavel. Look at what Jesus says next in verses 3 through 5. This is where he talks about the, the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and then the plank in our own eye. And he's like, how can you say to your brother, this is verse 4, how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. Get the plank out of your own eye first, and then you'll be able to see clearly enough to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So this is a funny picture that Jesus gives here. It was meant to be humorous. Like his, his listeners would have maybe even chuckled a little. 
Um, because you have to imagine a speck of sawdust. Um, okay, so my husband, Ryan, is a home builder. He builds houses, and so he often comes home with um, sawdust all over him. We have been married for... Oh man, gosh, that's terrible. Um, almost 19 years. <laughs> and, <laughs> and in those almost 19 years, um, he has been on a lot of tools, a lot of saws, and so there's I, more times than I can probably count. He'll come home covered, and sometimes he'll have something in his eye. And what, this is how it goes. He'll come home and I'll be like, okay, I've got something. And so I'll get my phone out with my flashlight, and I'll get up on the counter, because he's taller than me, and I'll have to like try to look in his eye. And here's the thing that I want to point out. I have to like get all up in his business to see where the speck of sawdust is. Okay, look that way, look up, look down. No, I can't really see it. Oh, wait, 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 there it is. I think I see it. And then, and then I can help him to get it out. The point I'm trying to make here is if you have never seen a speck of sawdust, you got to really be looking for it in order to see it. You have got to be concentrating enough to be like, oh yeah, there it is. Now I see it. It is so minuscule, you almost cannot see it if you weren't looking for it. That is what a speck of sawdust is. Meanwhile, we've got trees growing out of our own eyes, and we can't see it for the life of us. There is something wrong with this picture, and the implication here is that we exaggerate other people's faults while we minimize our own. This is what Jesus is saying. We exaggerate other people's faults, we minimize our own, and if we don't minimize our own, at least we excuse our own. We have an excuse for it, or we, an explanation at the very least. We're harsh to others, but we are so very kind to ourselves because we get ourselves. This wasn't my heart. Like, we know ourselves. You hypocrite, Jesus says. His words, not mine. <laughs> you hypocrite. And here's the thing. It is a tragic, tragic type of blindness when we can clearly see another person's issues but are completely unaware of our own. It's tragic. And so what inevitably happens is that ignorance about ourselves leads to arrogance towards other people. Ignorance about ourselves leads to arrogance towards other people. And so what does Jesus do? He does the same thing he's been doing throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount. He flips the script. He takes the flashlight and he points it right back on us. And I think that what he's saying here, I don't think that this is wrong, I think that this is just bang on, that when we see the mess in another person's life, what we ought to do isn't go run and try to fix it in their life first, but rather the first thing is that we look at our own lives first. We examine ourselves, examine our hearts, and we repent. And we ask God, like, would you just show me, Lord? Is there anything in me? Is there anything in me that's offensive? Would you reveal it to me, anything that I'm unaware of? But what often happens is, some people misunderstand Jesus' teaching here. And some people think that what Jesus is actually saying is, hey, ignore the speck in your neighbor's eye and mind your own business. But that's not what Jesus says. In fact, he says, it's only after you remove the plank in your own eye that you're going to be able to see clearly enough to help your brother and sister. 
He doesn't say, mind your own business. Um, Daryl Johnson, who I am on the teaching team with at The Way, and some of you might know him, but he's a, a pastor here in the area, and oh, I could go on, like author, he's a professor, a regent, like he's just, you know, he's all the things. And um, he says this about these verses. He says, we owe it to one another as fellow citizens of the kingdom of God, as fellow members of the body of Christ, to let one another know when we have gotten off the rails. It's just that we need to deal with our own off-the-trackness first. You see, it's only once we've dealt with ourselves before the Lord that then we're really able to help other people. It doesn't mean that we just blindly ignore sin. That's not what that means. In fact, there are so many different places in the Bible that we could go through right now that would, that would counteract that, kind of, that line of thinking. I'm just going to point out two to you. James chapter 5, this is in the message version. James says, My dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. He says, go after them. Go after them. Get them back. And you will have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. Go after them. But in order to go after them, we've got to get our own hearts right first. Another place in Scripture, Galatians 6, verse 1, it says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you should restore that person gently. <laughs> there it is. We don't have to ignore sin. But let me tell you, there is a right way to address the stuff in other people's lives. There's a right heart posture. And please hear me when I say this, and I'm speaking from experience, but confronting someone who has gone off the rails may very well be the most loving thing we can do for that person. So many of us tend to believe that like judging other people uh, is the furthest thing from love. But Jesus tells us to discern and to judge rightly, and there is a right way to uh, discern sin and lovingly bring somebody back. Y'all don't know my whole story, and I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of it now, but when I was a teenager, I went off the rails for about four years. And I cannot tell you, I have some beautiful stories, but I cannot tell you how grateful I am for the people who were not afraid to confront me. God used older, wiser women to lovingly confront me. They did not come to me in a spirit of criticism. They weren't trying to drag me up before anybody. It was, it was dignified and honoring and loving. And they were so graciously committed to endure with me, to go through some long suffering with me in order to bring me to a place of restoration. And so, what does all of this look like in Christian community? This is kind of what I have been thinking about this week. How do we flesh this thing out? And so I just have four, very quickly, four very practical thoughts for when we feel like judging. And um, here they are. First, clear your eyes. Clear your eyes. We ask the Holy Spirit to shine a light on any of those things that we need to deal with. Do I have 
a plank in my eye? I think that that's an appropriate question to ask. Is there a log in my eye, Lord? So that's the first thing. We need to clear our eyes. Number two, we measure generously and mercifully. I just wonder what kind of measure we're using. I actually wrote that down in my Bible. That's right next to these verses. Like, what's my measuring stick? Is it me? Lord, help us all. If it's me, am I measuring generously and mercifully because God has been so generous with me? I am living a life I ought not be living if it, if it had been dependent on um, my own background, my own sin. But God has been so very kind. He has not given me what I deserved. He has not given any of us what we deserved. We ought to remember that when we deal with other people. So clear our eyes, measure generously and mercifully. And number three, we exercise discernment. Remember, Jesus isn't telling us to never judge. He's telling us to judge in the right way, with the right spirit, with the right clear eyesight. And this can only happen when we are in right relationship with him. So we exercise discernment. So clear our eyes, measure generously and mercifully. Third, exercise discernment. And four, remember who really holds the gavel. It's not you. And it's not me. God alone holds the gavel. He alone holds it. And this is really good news. Because <laughs> he will be far less likely to swing it as soon as I would have been. <laughs> as, far, as soon as you probably would have been. It doesn't rest on our shoulders. We are not the judge or the jury. He holds the gavel. I'm going to go ahead and call up the worship team. I so just spend some time the next couple of minutes praying for us today as we think about these things. You know, I told you, like, I, I'm including myself in here. Um, but we have all been prone to judgment. Some of us maybe more than others. Some of us, and I will include myself here, have made unjust, unloving judgment calls about people, and it has impacted relationships in our lives. And for some, it severed families. And we need to repent. It could have been yesterday, it could have been years ago. And I feel like the Lord would say, it's not okay. And right now, even just in our own cultural moment, like this is a weird time. <laughs> this is a weird time. And listen, I do not want to step on any toes. I really want y'all to like me, but I'm going to say something right now that y'all might not like me for. But in the world right now that we're living in, there are a lot of judgment calls being thrown around. Political things, not to mention, you know, we've got the pandemic on this other side, and there's just, there's hard stuff happening. And I've, I have heard, and probably even done it myself, heard judgment calls made over what people are or aren't doing. And I'm telling you, 
I am just convinced that I think God's heart breaks when he hears some of the things that we're saying about one another, some of the judgment calls that we're making about one another, when we're not dealing generously and mercifully with one another. I think it breaks his heart, and he wants us to repent. So I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us. Yeah, Lord, we do invite you to do a deep work in us. Would you expose um, those deep places inside of us that are prone to be judgmental towards other people? We don't want to be that way, Lord. We want to lean towards generosity. We want to be like you. Lord, would you help us to remember how you deal with us. And I pray, God, that you would just weed out any sort of critical spirit inside of us. Weed it out, Lord. We want to be a people that please you, that honor you with our words and with our actions and in the way that we deal with one another. In your name we pray. Amen.